0: And I am rolling, Webby. You good?
1: Well, wow, I just got a mouthful of Skittles. On blast.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to another edition, an all-star edition, let's say, to the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, my name is Sheldon Alexander, and I'm here with my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what's good, my dude?
1: Man, well, let me tell you, the two best teams to watch in sports right now by the 76ers and the Toronto Maple Leafs.
0: Okay. Uh, I don't even know what a follow-up to that would be, Webby. I'm just going to I'm just gonna agree with you in this instance and move on.
1: That, that's what I want. That's exactly <laughs> it.
0: Well, Webby, you know what? I know that I don't do this enough, but I don't big up the resume that is one Andrew Webster, which is years and years and years of being one of the top highlight guys in the country. So basketball is just in your blood, my dude. I will, I need to know from you, okay? Have you seen a season like this with so many different storylines? We're ah. at the All-Star break, so it's kind of like a time to reflect on just what's gone on in the first half. But have you seen anything like this with just the storylines night after night in the NBA?
1: I mean, other than last year and the year before that <laughs> and the year before that?
0: The NBA is just like the gift that keeps on giving. Right. And I think about it, man, I've worked in this industry for a long ass time, like 10 plus years of following and covering the NBA and the Toronto Raptors. But still, like we feel like the the wave of LeBron James and his chase of the Warriors. And this season was supposed to be so boring because, well, the Warriors are just going to win. So the regular season and nothing matters. I find like this has been the complete opposite. And I've enjoyed this season so much more than if, even if I look back to last year, I've enjoyed everything about this season.
1: But it's still the same, like last year I had the same kind of vibe. It was like the regular season was insane mm-hmm. because we all knew that once we got to the playoffs, the same two teams would be playing for the finals. But that's, what's great about the NBA is that it, you may think that the finals is a foregone conclusion. And even if it is the, Freaking regular season! Every night there's something amazing going on, something uh, like insane or uh, good or bad. Like, did you see last night the with it and Rondo and the ejection? <laughs> so I mean, good, was awesome! It was
0: awesome, right? And it's like a random Wednesday night game between the Pelicans and the Bummy Lakers, right? And great. you got a great storyline where it stems from. Obviously, Rondo calling out IT earlier on in the season when uh, it was announced that he was going to get a video tribute and Rondo sticking up for Paul Pierce was like, oh, so we're celebrating conference championships now, (laughs) which was an amazing troll. But now seeing how everything has played out and now those two meeting up, you know, Isaiah makes little like mental notes for everybody who slighted him along the way. So you know that was going to get a little chippy and Rondo's not going to back down either, right?
1: Ever. No, he's never going to back down.
0: So good. Uh, But speaking of IT's former team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's a, I mean, we talk about night after night, there's stuff going on in the NBA. It seems night after night, there's stuff going on with LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, the Cavs with Two very impressive victories since the trade deadline, a blowout win in Boston on Paul Pierce night, and also a solid revenge victory in OKC, which leads us, Webby, as always, to our turn up, turn down segment, which, for those new to the program, we make a statement. Turn up equals good. Turn down equals bad. With the Cavs run, Webby, here's the first statement. The Cavs are back. Are you turning up or turning down?
1: Well, what do you mean by back? I mean, they were still third place in the East, and now they're still third place in the East. <laughs> right? I mean, listen, are, they, are they playing a lot better now with this, you know, rejuvenated, fresh, mm-hmm. young, three-point shooting lineup? Yeah, of course. But the real question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we think that they can make up the games on Boston and possibly Toronto? With, you know, uh, not a lot of season left to be played before we do get down to the nitty-gritty of the postseason. And honestly, I don't think they do. I think they're locked in there at the 3 seed.
0: See, I left that open to interpretation on purpose, Webby. You see, because there's so many different ways to go at the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I'm glad you, you mentioned that because, yes, they were third before, and now they're still third and probably will still finish in third place. But my big thing is it doesn't matter because I feel like the what people, the perception and the reality were always two different things, right? And I feel that the perception of the Cavs was that, oh, they're in big trouble, and the season was going nowhere, and they're going to lose in the playoffs, and they're not going to make the NBA Finals, and all this chaos when we've talked about it week after week, right? We knew that they had problems internally, but what did we talk about last week, Webby? One of the biggest problems was, A, LeBron James not trying, right? But B right. that they had major chemistry flaws, which they then fixed by mainly getting Isaiah Thomas and, to a lesser extent, I think, as we're hearing now, Dwayne Wade out of town. Right. So you well, fixed- not only,
1: I would say not only personality uh, uh, problems, but I think that those kind of like then uh, I don't know if they stem from or are part of mm-hmm. basketball problems.
0: For sure, yeah, I think that's I think that's true because I think it I think you're right there because it adds into like trust factor, right? And so LeBron James, I think Jay Crowder, uh, Jay Crowder did something where he he sort of said that he felt like he would go a full quarter without touching the ball, and it, it, he almost felt as if like because he struggled with his shot at times, the trust wasn't there, and so he wasn't even getting passes from LeBron like that, which is kind of crazy to think of, but. You see how things went, and we went through all the stats last week just in terms of how much him and Derrick Rose and Isaiah Thomas were struggling in their last few games with the Cavs. You could kind of see that happening, and then to a, a bigger extent, right, LeBron James and how his numbers dwindled during that run as well, right, where he did have a lack of trust with the entire team and organization. So again, I think the perception was kind of the reality, you know, like they were struggling, but to me anyways, right, I didn't think that, you know, it was that far away from being fixed in terms of, okay, well, are they still the favorite to win the East? Yes. Did Were there doubts because of what their team was doing or how their team looked? Maybe, like, maybe to most people, but I think we knew. We talked about it for how long? We knew that there were going to be trades at the deadline. We were we expecting a full roster makeover like they got? No, but I, I don't think that people really, like... The new pieces that they got, Webby. I'm gonna ask you this: How yeah. they look to you? Because I feel like the names, when people first heard the trades, they didn't really like. N- the names didn't stick out to people, right? If you if you're a casual NBA person, but
1: but gonna... I think I think this is where the Cavs got themselves into trouble in the first place. Okay, is by going after big names.
0: I agree. Yeah,
1: you know mm-hmm. where with the moves that Kobe Alman made for the Cavs this season have been really smart and sure. Uh, George Hill and and Rodney Hood and Larry Nance Jr. may not be uh, uh, household names to the layman NBA fan. Mm-hmm. Like they're good teams. I mean, they're good players, definitely. And, and not only are they good players, but they're complementary players to the way this Cavs team plays successfully.
0: Yeah, and I, I think too, like Isaiah Thomas, when we talk about the. To sort of back up what you were saying in terms of, you know, how chemistry issues lead to basketball issues, right? And the trust factor, like Isaiah Thomas mentally, right, still thinks of himself in this moment right now, which clearly he's physically hurt still, right? But in this moment right now, in his mind, he still thinks that he is that top three scorer in the NBA. But in terms of basketball he wasn't living up to that at all, but he needed those touches. And I think that kind of messes up with the flow of the game when it's just kind of like, oh, I haven't shot the ball in a while, so I'm going to take this ball and I'm going to drive it to the basket even though there's four guys in the paint just because I haven't touched the ball in a while. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of get where, where you're going with this, whereas these guys that they brought in, they're more role players in the sense that, you know, Rodney Hood, who people don't know about, like, if you told people that Rodney Hood was putting in 17.5 points per game this season, do you think most people would know that? Probably not, right? But now, no. you, but now, you look at him and, you know, he's sitting in the corner and getting to just shoot wide open threes because you're playing with LeBron. We talked about the LeBron boost. Like, how much do you think that helps guys like Clarkson and Nance and you know, like, especially Clarkson and Hood I think are great examples in terms of guys who get buckets, but now you're playing with LeBron, and now you'll get buckets a lot easier because you're playing with LeBron, right?
1: Well, and not only that, but you look at how you got to win in the NBA mm-hmm. with strong three and D, uh, length up and down your roster, and uh, a small ball five that you can keep out on the court. Yeah. And that's exactly what the Cavs did with their moves.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's so cool, too, to see because, again, I need to, I need to preface this because one lesson i learned this week Webby, which if you if you see my twitter account especially today i need to learn to not argue with raptors fans right (laughs) because like it's just like a, a losing argument because we'll get to that in our wrap it up segment but it's just a losing argument because anytime you say something that's not you know that doesn't jive with the raptors are the best or you know like anytime you say something good about another team automatically you're hating on the raptors Right. Right. And so I simply tweeted out, simply tweeted out a couple. Uh, I guess it was after the deadline. Maybe it was a Celtics game, or after. Maybe it was after their second game, right, with the Cavs' new team. And I said, I simply tweeted out, maybe Raptors fans need to watch more Cavs games before they make hot takes about the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. Right oh my goodness, a floodgates just opened up on my Twitter <laughs> account because they're like, oh, it's only been two games. And my point was, maybe we should pay attention because the biggest factor, again, was LeBron not trying. Like, yes, we're talking about the two games, but the Cavs now are heading into this... Uh, they're heading into the break here, right? They've won four straight games in a row, which means two games before these trades will happen. But the biggest factor, LeBron James going for 39 and a half, and 13 assists. Like, come on, right? The biggest factor is LeBron not trying. And LeBron, when he is trying, which we know he will become playoff time, that is the biggest factor. And that's why I'm riding with LeBron. And that that hasn't stopped. It doesn't mean I don't want the Raptors to win. Of course I want them to make the NBA finals. That's better for business. I work in sports television in Canada, (laughs) right? Like, come on.
1: What I think is that the, these top three seeds Mm -hmm. in the NBA, uh, one is pulling away from the other two. I would say that the Boston and the Cavs are pretty uneven terms right now in the regular season. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it looks like the, Celtics are uh, trending downwards and the Cavs are trending upwards but okay. this again like you say it's just regular season and as we saw last year when when, when the Cavs didn't get that number one seed yeah, it wasn't really a problem for no, them.
0: it doesn't matter at all it doesn't matter so, at
1: all listen, I, I, I'm, I'm not taking anything away from the Raptors they're having a historically good season for the franchise, mm-hmm. they should be proud of the culture change or the culture reset that they've gone through and they're you know, it's definitely a strategy that could pay off for them in the in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. You can't count on them to do anything that they haven't been down before. Yeah. And we know that Cleveland and LeBron has been down this road before.
0: Yeah, especially LeBron. And the pieces are around him and, you know when have you seen LeBron laughing and smiling like he has been the past two games, oh. right? Like, it's been a while, right? I just think, too, have you seen the uh, the Kobe Altman, that article by Woj? He just basically gave, like, a play-by-play of how...
1: A, yeah, the minute-by-minute.
0: Yeah, of how the deadline went. I thought that was very interesting, right? Just because, obviously, a lot of the drama leading up to the deadline was about who is in charge of the Cavs front office, right? And we know that if that face of the Cavs front office is, if the perception of the face of the Cavs front office is Dan Gilbert, LeBron's gone for sure, right? Like, we know that for sure. But if the perception and is that it's Colby Altman and he's this guy that's making all these moves and the wonder kid behind the scenes and pulling off, you know, a, a trade deadline day that we've rarely seen in the NBA, you might have more of a chance of LeBron staying, you know? And I think that was... What the reason behind this whole Woj piece that kind of showed just, you know, Altman knew what was going on. And for all those people that are against and down what I'm saying about how the biggest factor is LeBron not trying, in that same Woj piece, he talks about how Kobe Altman went to LeBron and he made sure to say that, hey, we need you to be engaged. Like, no matter what trades we make, it doesn't matter if you're not engaged and, you know, going all out and being the best player in the world. To me, that's acknowledging exactly the conversation we're having right now, no?
1: I think that this past week has proven that uh, the winner of the trade deadline day was Kobe Altman.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, the narrative that he's gotten since uh, the Cavs have looked so good with these new pieces in there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like you say, if LeBron does decide to stay, it's going to have a lot to do with how Kobe Altman treated the situation and became kind of that voice of the Cavaliers rather than Dan Gilbert. And if LeBron decides to leave, I think that the Cavs are still in good position because we've seen what Kobe Altman can do in roster building in a tight spot. So I think that the Cavs and Kobe Altman got a huge win-win from this trade deadline. day.
0: Oh, totally, Webby. Like, totally. Because the thing is, you're right. Like, he hit up the he hit up the point that you know they got more athletic, they got faster, they got younger, but just in terms of style of play as well, which is something you touched on before, right? George Hill is like the almost a perfect point guard to play alongside LeBron where he doesn't need the ball and in fact he might be a better off the ball player, you know, like he can spot right. up and hit threes, he can catch the ball on the wing, maybe up fake and drive to the basket, you know, he can create plays but also he's a solid defender, right? Which also takes pressure off LeBron. Nash or Nash, Larry Nance Jr. is a great energy guy. That obviously with that LeBron boost, that's a great fit. And then we talked about Clarkson,
1: small ball five too. Great small ball five. That's so underrated for his game. And then Clarkson, as well as a guy like off the bench to provide that second unit with legitimate scoring, and a guy that you can also play with LeBron every once in a while.
0: For sure, right? And it's like, you're talking about guys in Clarkson who put up, Clarkson putting up 14 a night off the bench, Hood putting up 16 off the bench. Like, those are good, solid NBA players, right? And now you're putting them in a position where, hey, guys, just be athletic or hit wide open shots because LeBron loves finding just open players. I don't know. I'm just saying, look out. And the Eastern Conference playoffs just got a whole lot more interesting just because, yes, LeBron now has help, but it's still going to be interesting to see these pieces and how they react, because for a lot of these guys, it's going to be their first run in the playoffs, like their first real run in the playoffs, right?
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So That'll be totally cool.
1: Well, hold on, not not George Hill.
0: No, not George Hill. Not George Hill. No, 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 no. George Hill had had a good burn with uh, had good burn with the Spurs, obviously, and George and Hill has played with the Pacers, yeah, for sure. But like, they're going to need Hood, Clarkson, Nance it's going to be very interesting and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the cavs bench a little later in our uh, raptors discussion but yeah to me the cavs the cavs are back i mean that like more so in terms of uh the perception because i think the perception was was that the cavs were gone or dead and you know every, all hope was lost so yes i'm definitely turning up on the cavs are back
1: now, and they haven't played at home with the new roster right
0: no no it's just been in boston right. and in okc and
1: in okc yeah. I mean, that's, those are two big wins, too.
0: Wow. That's what I'm saying. Those are real, real wins, right? So that's the thing, too. It's not like they eased in by blowing out the Hawks or the Bulls or something either, right? So, hey, we'll, we'll see what's going on there. But so far, the Cavs continuing their quest of just being the most, keeping up with the Cavs, the most entertaining show on TV, right?
1: Uh, if you don't count Sixers games.
0: <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. But that moves on to our next turn up, turn down topic. Which, you know, the other night, Steve Kerr versus the Suns, he allowed Draymond Green and a couple other players to draw up plays, which, you know, kind of sent Twitter up to an into an uproar, let's say. <laughs> so our next question here, or our next topic on turn up, turn down, Webby, Steve Kerr letting his players coach is disrespectful. Are you turning up or turning down?
1: On that it's disrespectful, I'm turning down on that. Okay. I got a couple of takes on this. I like a, it. A, if you don't want it to be disrespectful, then you know what you do if you're the Suns? You come out and you beat the schemes that the players on the Warriors drew up. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, That's how you get it to be respectful. Okay, Blaming another team for being disrespectful by trying something new because you got your butts pounded by 40 points? No, 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 no. I'm not having that. My other thing is, we got into it last week about whether you're worried about the Warriors. And you brought up that Steve Kerr, you didn't think Steve Kerr is a good coach? Yep. I think this is a master, master move by Steve Kerr to do this.
0: Okay, I'll, I'm listening.
1: Absolutely. I mean, listen. You brought up the you brought up the point. The the Warriors have been in kind of a swoon lately. Mm-hmm.
0: They've
1: been getting teched up. They've been getting out to really cold starts. You've been throwing Kerr under the bus, asking if he's a good enough coach. I have. You've, you've been a little underwhelmed with the Warriors' performance over the past couple of games, correct? Correct. So what better coaching move than for Steve Kerr to really shake things up with a team that's in first place that's not detrimental, that's very risk-averse. What's the worst that can happen if he has the players run a practice, run a shoot-around, or drop a couple plays? in one regular season game there's no risk. The reward is bringing all the players together. It's almost like a team building exercise while you're pounding a team by 40 that you should be pounding by 40 anyway. <laughs> it's like you got a double win out of this. Okay. And I think it's I think it's brilliant by Kerr. And I think that now not only is he going to have the ear and the uh, you know the respect of the of, of the players that uh, he has been, like your Draymond Green, your Klay Thompson, even your Kevin Durant. But I think this is really good for the guys like your JaVales and your guys like your Omri Caspi's, who have now been kind of like included in this inner circle of what Steve Kerr wants to do with the Warriors. I mean, I, for a first-place team to do this, it's so smart. It's so smart. It's bringing up a challenge that's not really a challenge to a team that almost doesn't need a challenge.
0: See, I'm still going the complete opposite way on this, okay? Here's here's my thing with this, Webby. Kerr says that they're bored and they're tired of hearing his voice, so he's finding new ways to empower his team. I say, like, get out of here with that, right? Like, first off, okay, hold on. Let's let's get to the actual topic. Steve Kerr letting his players coach is disrespectful. I agree with you in the sense that, no, it's not disrespectful because teams can do whatever they want. If you don't like it, beat them and win. With that said, you're doing this against the Suns. Like, this to me is just like such a another like oh Steve Kerr doing his best like pop Zen master shit and it's like it's BS. This is just further proving my point, and I know people I don't want to hear this. Levar Ball's never. point. This is just proving Levar Ball's point that Steve Kerr is not a good coach. All he's showing, all he's showing is that he doesn't even have to do anything, and he could show up, and his team could beat another team by forty points. That's showing that what does Steve Kerr have to do? Because coaching is
1: more than X's and O's, man. Coaching is about getting the most out of your players on a night-to-night basis, especially in a Monday game against the Phoenix Suns that half of your own fan base isn't even watching.
0: man, keep
1: your players motivated through that, that is what coaching, but that's at least half
0: of coaching hey, it's cool if the Warriors are bored, but I don't want to hear, who's here to listen to the Warriors talk about their board? Who told them to join up, to join forces and have four all-stars on the same team? Like, I don't want to hear that you're bored. You decided to stack up your team so that your coach doesn't even have to coach. And he says he let Draymond, David West, and Iggy drop plays. He says that Caspi and JaVale McGee, he lets them run shoot around. And JaVale McGee, hold on. Mr. Shakhtan the Fool himself, he's running video sessions? Good. Come yeah, on, man. No, get out of here with this. Absolutely, man, because it's an inclusive
1: team-building exercise, man. No. And this is how you keep your team motivated through 82 games of the season. No. you do bored. You, to, They're bored and in their first place.
0: Do you know what? Do you know what? You're bored? Like... You should have known this when you decided to stack up your team. Nobody cares that you're bored. Nobody wants to hear you complain that you're bored. Nobody wants to hear that the Warriors are tired of hearing Steve Kerr's voice because he's just on them too much and they're bored by the regular season. Who told you to stack up your... like? You you can't have it both ways to me. You can't stack up your team and be like, oh, well, we're just going to win all these championships. And if you're Kevin Durant, you don't like the fact that people are chirping you And saying that you took the easy way out, but then now turn around when the regular season is going on and say that you're bored because your team is just so good. Like, you can't have it both ways. That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not here to listen to any of that crap by Steve Kerr. And also, another thing here. I want to call out a little double standard here because we crush guys like Tyron Lue who came out and said, oh, well, he came out and said, he gave the quote saying something to the effect of, oh, well, people already think LeBron does the coaching anyway, so I couldn't give him a clipboard because he'd get crushed, which is so true because we murder-death-kill Tyron Lue. David Black got run out of town because LeBron was really the coach and he's really calling the shots. But here, because Steve Kerr says, Oh, well, we're playing against a crappy because, team, and they're bored. I'm going to give my players a chance to run the team, and Steve oh, Kerr God. is a Zen master now? Nah, no, I'm not, no, 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 I'm no, not no, buying it. No, I'm not you're,
1: buying it. You're, you're getting this completely twisted. We killed Tyron Liu and David Blatt because they can't control LeBron. Okay. I'm giving it up to Steve Kerr because instead of letting Draymond Green or Kevin Durant take over the team, like LeBron does at times with the Cavs, and even you have to admit that. Yes. Kerr is making this happen on his own terms.
0: But Uh, it's all just pretend, because he's doing it against the Suns, so it doesn't matter. So, cool, maybe Draymond thinks that everything's gravy, and yeah, Steve Kerr's a great guy, and then he just goes out and gets three more texts the next night. They just lost again to the Blazers, because they couldn't stop Dame Lillard. Like, to me... This is just all just more hoopla for Steve Kerr, you know, the as a, again, oh, he's he comes he's a disciple of Phil Jackson and Popovich and he's just a great coach. No, 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 no. You're just proving the point that you guys decided to rig your team and have the best players and have four all-stars on your team and now want to complain and be like, "Oh, we're bored." Get out of here. No. Time.
1: Well, hold on. First of all, that Steve Kerr's not running the Warriors. He's just the coach of the Warriors. He's not even the one that drafted these players or made the move for Kevin Durant. He's just the coach,
0: right? Exactly. And how easy is his job? That is my point, that you can have Mr. JaVale McGee kidding? running film sessions. Like, with what are we talking about the, here?
1: Listen, the talent on the team is one thing, but managing that team and the expectations that come with that team, it's not an easy thing, man. It's not. And I'm not a Warriors guy. uh
0: but I'd love to hear people's opinion on this. I love this conversation, by the way. I love it.
1: But I think the, the other thing, the, the one thing I got to correct you on is that Pop would never allow his players to coach. And I think we even saw we even saw that with the, uh, I think you had this in the rundown too, and I saw this the other day with Patty Mills. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. That was amazing though. That was fun. <laughs> and,
1: and he had all the guys vote. Yeah, he and had the he assistants he picked vote. up the third foul. And they, they yanked him off the court. It was hilarious.
0: That was so good. That was amazing. But I know what you're saying, right? I get what you're saying, Webby, because yes, there are two sides to this. And, you know, I'm sure it's tough for the Warriors when they know that their aspirations are finals or bust, and that's it. So getting up for a game against the Suns, cool. But listen, this is what you chose, right? Like, this is what Kevin Durant chose. Draymond chose after they lost in Game 7. He chose to recruit Kevin Durant to get on his team. So now you, you can't play both sides of the fence. And so I'm gonna say, I'm not gonna give Steve Kerr credit for saying, hey guys, you guys coached tonight against the, the terrible Phoenix Suns who fall into my list of teams I refuse to watch play basketball because they're so they're such trash. But, you know, someone on Reddit had the stat that the Warriors are now 54 and 4 without Steve Kerr. Yeah, but
1: what are the <laughs> What are
0: they with, Steve Kerr? <laughs> Come on, man. Like, I'm just, I don't know. I am i don't know. It'll take a lot to win me over on the Steve Kerr as this like great coach thing. I don't know what it what what it will take, but I'll tell you that it's a lot, and it's going to be a lot more than letting JaVale McGee and Omri Caspi run shoot-arounds. That's What's all it, I'm saying. I Steve Kerr's not disrespectful, master. but he's overrated. That's what I'm i think It
1: was I think it was a master stroke by one of the best coaches in the NBA.
0: Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Speaking- Not
1: the best, but one of the best.
0: One of the best. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough, Webby. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that. That was a great conversation, though, and I'd love to get other people's responses to that topic for sure on our Turn Up, Turn Down, and what they thought of Steve Kerr as a coach in the NBA. But another coach that is tearing up the NBA brings us to our Wrap It Up segment, and that is the coach for Team LeBron in this week's upcoming NBA All-Star game, Mr. Dwayne Casey. So his Toronto Raptors, and I'm, I'm citing this from uh, Mr. Josh Lewenberg. Shout out to him. He's one of the rare uh, Raptors beat guys that I definitely rep and I think does a really good job covering the team. But he you says... Sorry, go I on.
1: About, I will say about the Raptors beat writers, there are a couple of really good
0: ones. For sure. No, I totally agree with that. There are, there are a couple of good ones for sure. I, I definitely think the... A lot of the Raptors beat guys should get a lot more time because I think they would add more nuance to the mainstream. And by mainstream, I'm tiptoeing around how I say this for sure. But uh, uh, in terms of the mainstream television networks, I'll say, you know, I feel like the beat guys would add a different level of uh, insight. Insight, yes. Thank you, Webby, for helping me out there and not making me step into shit. Right? Just because it's a different thing. Because what happens is most of the networks just go to the guys who are basically team employees. So you're only going to really get one side of the story, if that it's, makes sense.
1: It's a, it's a shame. It's yes. really a shame.
0: Uh, but yes, Mr. Luenberg says, For the first time in franchise history, the Raptors will go into the All-Star break as a one seed. They're riding a season-long seven-game win streak, winning six of them by 15-plus points, and are 41-16, and their best pre-All-Star record in team history. Webby, the question, what do you make of the Raps' first half, my dude?
1: Well, what else can you make of it other than it's been a historic first half of the franchise?
0: So does it I mean, does it change your, your thoughts on what will happen in the second half and, more importantly, the playoffs?
1: I mean, I can't see anything other than an injury to DeMar or Kyle that would derail what they're doing right now. And we, I mean, even if even if you lost a Siakam or a Purdle or a Van Vliet, it seems to be next man up for this bench unit and the second, yeah. you know, and the, and the second unit here.
0: You're totally right here. There's some great stats about the reserve lineup. You know, Freddie Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, uh, Miles, Siakam, and Pirtle. They're outscoring opponents by 30, basically 33 points per 100% possessions, which is the best net rating of any 5-man unit that's played at least 100 minutes together in the NBA. Like that is
1: yeah, I saw some of the other units that they were compared to and you're like, "Whoa.
0: That is that is really really good." And you know, the Raptors bench has done a really good job and, you know, what happens in this like going back to almost how this team is discussed What happens a lot is a lot of the focus is only on the Toronto Raptors, right? And so we see this, and like there's numbers to back it up, that the Raptors bench is really, really good. But just for me pointing out that the Cavs, the Cavs bench, which now includes Clarkson, Hood, Korver, Nance, and Jeff Green, plus whoever doesn't start when Kevin Love comes back, which I keep thinking that people forget the fact that Kevin Love is also coming back. (sighs) You know with a broken hand though with a broken hand. True, for sure, for sure. But do you like how do you think the Cavs bench stacks up against the Raptors bench?
1: I think that the Cavs bench is now one of their strong points. Mm-hmm. But the problem is is that unlike the Raptors bench, they haven't had a half a season to really find their groove. Yeah. And find really what works. Because I mean your second unit is more than just another set of five guys. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we've seen from the Raptors. It's kind of like how you can mix in those six, seven other guys to work in with some of your starting five as you kind of stagger when your bench comes in and gives rest to your starter. So finding that kind of groove with how, you know, that kind of timing plays out through a game and who you can really play well with and the best units that you can get going. Mm-hmm. I think that takes a little bit of time to, like I say, get that needle into that groove. And the Raptors have had, uh, like I say, a full half a season to figure that out.
0: So true. And even if you think about it, longer than that, right? Because a lot of those guys played together in nine oh five, right? So you're totally right there. The continuity factor that the Raptors have is definitely uh, positive that they would have over the Cavs bench that's newly formed. Uh, The one thing I want to bring up, though, and kind of double down on something you just said, Come playoff time, and even more towards the second half of the season when we get down to the nitty gritty here, your bench is a five man unit. Like, how much is that going to really matter going forward, right? I think what you just said about, you know, figuring out, okay, well, what pieces fit where alongside your starters in certain lineups, that's going to be really key going forward, right? And I think that'll be an interesting thing to see because one thing I keep noticing, right? Like, every time I see Siakam step on the floor, I'm like, Man, this guy should be taking a lot more Serge Ibaka's minutes. Like I I don't know, maybe I'm maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe, you know, it's just because we're seeing him in spurts and seeing him with that five-man unit and the way that they all play in terms of a collective defensive unit and and getting steals and starting the break off of their defense, you know, maybe that fits Siakam's skill set more than if he was with the starters. But I don't know. I I can't help but think just what that guy does at both ends of the floor and the energy he brings. I'd love to see him get more minutes going forward.
1: But what they've done such a great job of with the Raptors is that, you know, you almost need a Baca there at the beginning. And, like, you don't want to rock that boat too much when it Mm -hmm. comes to how well this bench and this kind of – a formula that, that Dwayne Casey has going on with this roster right now. Yeah. So like, yeah, sure. Siakam, you might think is outplaying Ibaka, but as if you shake that boat up too much, it could all come crashing down because then now you've got to do something with, because so you're not just going to replace Ibaka's minutes with, uh, Siakam's minutes and vice versa. Right.
0: Yeah. That's like true. It too. would
1: throw everything, uh, throw everything, uh, askew.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, right? And we keep talking about it, just what happens come playoff time, you know? Do you just go with the hot hand if that's DeLon or Fred or Siakam, right? So it'll be super interesting to see how that goes, how that plays out going forward into the playoffs. But the other thing that's super interesting to me, and and this is my plea to Raptor fans, right? Stop caring about whether the U.S. media talks about the Raptors. Like, I don't get why...
1: This is my least favorite thing that happens with the Raptors every year.
0: I just don't get it. I just don't get why you care so much. And and I'm going to double down on that and say something and again tiptoe and be very careful about how I say this, but shouldn't you care a lot more as a Raptor fan about how your media here in Canada discusses your team and discusses the NBA? Like I think I would think that should be way more of your focus than what Shaq has to say or what the TNT panel are saying about the Toronto Raptors. Like, shouldn't you really care a lot more about what's going on here? Because and the reason I ask that, Robbie, and tell me if I'm wrong here, because I think that we're really talking about two different things. Because I saw a clip today, which have you heard it have you heard the Shaq clip today?
1: Yeah, yeah, I saw it today.
0: Right? So Shaq basically said that he doesn't believe in the Raptors because of Kyle Lowry's resume in the playoffs. Right? That's essentially am I am I like misquoting him there that's essentially what he's saying compared to a
1: boxer who looks good in the gym but doesn't have it in the ring
0: right so shaq says that and then i see people on twitter then going at shaq and saying oh he doesn't watch games and he and it's just like hold on a second here which side is it you want to have americans talking about your team or you want to have americans say things about your team that you agree with (laughs) right because those are two different things because automatically if Stephen A. Smith or if someone else says something bad about the Raptors, then automatically everyone starts piling on them for hating the Raptors and they get no respect, right? You, do you see what I mean in terms of how it's, an, it's like a no win? Like, American media can't win. You talk about the Raptors, but they say negative things, then they're hating on the Raptors. But if they don't right. talk about the and, Raptors, and, and, it's, oh, all the talks about Boston and Cleveland. Like, pick one. But I say they, No, go on. Sorry.
1: In Canada, all you get is either no Raptors talk or only positive Raptor talk.
0: Exactly right, and there's then it... no,
1: there's no pushback against you know. Well, like maybe the Raptors don't have what it takes to get over the LeBron James hump, you know. Instead, every year it, it it's well, this is the best team of all time, and they should be celebrated. And well, by golly, this is the year that they're going to put. And, and you don't really have any kind of pushback when it comes to Raptors coverage in Canada. So, when, when finally they do get mentioned down in the States and it is coming from a negative place or somebody has uh, criticism, it's, well, well, they don't really know this team. And well, it's crazy. And you're absolutely right. You know, Raptors fans, when it comes to this uh, inferiority complex, they want to suck and blow, they want to have their cake and eat it too. Totally. They want to be talked about in the States, but only in a positive
0: way. Totally. And I'm sure like most basketball fans, I have like, I want to say two or three different like uh, group text combos that are basketball heavy, right? And one of them is just painting me straight as a Raptors hater. And it's funny because I get that on Twitter too, all the time. And my whole point to them is just always, listen, just because I don't, I don't subscribe to the Raptors group think of like, you know, whatever happens or everything has to be positive because that's all we hear every day from watching raptors broadcast Like just because i don't subscribe to that doesn't mean i'm a raptors hater doesn't mean i don't want the raptors to succeed like heck the raptors succeeding and winning an nba championship i'm a raptor fan i like the raptors you know what i also work in the sports industry (laughs) so the raptors the Raptors making the NBA Finals is good for business. Like, there's no reason why I would want the Raptors to not succeed. But just because, you know, so Shaq says that Kyle Lowry is not a playoff performer, everyone crushes him, right? If I say, last week, I got a lot of flack, Webby, and uh, side note, I put up our Raptors convos in like separate little like 10-minute bites up on YouTube, and, like, there's over, like, 500 people, like, listening to that on YouTube right now. Like, it's actually doing really well, which is kind of crazy. Awesome. It's so cool, right? It, it It's it's fun and because it, it's, it's, it's engaging as well, right? And that's what this podcast is about because we want to engage and, like, take in different people's uh, points of view because it makes you think in a different way as well, right? And that happens to me. And so I'm bringing this up because last week we were talking about – and I was catching some flack for this – I was just reminding people that last year in the playoffs, when the Raptors lost, okay, I didn't make this up. Kyle and Demar said the biggest difference was LeBron James. They had yeah. LeBron James and we didn't. Like, I didn't say that. They did. I didn't forget that. So I that's never left me because, well, what's changed? The Cavs still have LeBron James. And if anything, like, now his supporting cast might be more well-rounded. It might not be better. Top-heavy better, but it, the supporting cast might be more well-rounded. And now... The Raptors, it's not like they got any better in terms of player for player. Like, if you're telling me that OG and Fred Van Fleet and DeLon Wright, they're gonna make up the difference because last year you told me the difference was LeBron James, hey, that's what you think. Cool. More power to you. All I'm saying is, and I'm agreeing with Shaq, I got to see it in the playoffs first before I fall for this because last year I was told that this is the best Raptors team ever and that we want to see the Cavs in the second round. We want to see them early because Kevin Love was hurt and he might not be healthy enough by the time we play them. Right? Like we heard this story last year before. <laughs> I'm just bringing up another point. That doesn't make me a Raptors hater. It's just an opinion. It's all I'm There
1: you saying. go. No, you're absolutely right.
0: And And again,
1: but what's funny, though, Shelley, is mm-hmm. that this isn't a Raptors-specific problem. True. I find that most NBA franchises up there, the fan bases get their panties in a bunch mm-hmm. as soon as you say something just a little bit critical of their
0: team. <laughs> it's so true.
1: You know, even Sixers' Twitter is like that. It's and true. Celtics' Twitter is like this.
0: It's true. It's true. All I'm saying is, and I'm encouraging people to watch more Cavs games because you might not know that Rodney Hood is that good of a player. You might not know that Jordan Clarkson is that good of a player. I'm just putting those things out there for you to consume because, hey, I love what Van Fleet and DeLon Wright and Siakam and all these guys are doing. I think it's great. Remember, I'm the one that's saying we should be focusing more on the development of those guys because going forward and especially next year when a guy named LeBron James might not even be in the Eastern Conference, the development of Fred and DeLon and Siakam and OG, thats going that could be key next year for the moves that the Raptors make, you know, in terms of making it to the NBA Finals. So, the future is bright in Toronto. Everything's good. Enjoy your squad. But, revel in the fact that everyone's betting on LeBron again, right? Like, revel in that. Like, everyone says they like being the underdog, but they don't really like being the underdog, right?
1: Unless you're
0: the Eagles. Hey, fly, Eagles, fly. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, I just saw that video. I just saw that video of Jennifer Lawrence on a flight.
1: Oh, uh, you know, my fiance was telling me about that, too.
0: Yo, I just saw that. I was like, hold on. Is she an e- is she actually an Eagles fan, or was it just because of the movie that she did with Bradley Cooper?
1: No, that's why she became an Eagles fan.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. That movie's dope, by the way. I really enjoyed that movie a
1: Yeah, lot. big shout-outs to uh, Silver, Linings, Silver Playbook. Linings Playbook. Yeah.
0: Very good movie. But, yeah, no, that was totally cool. And, I mean, I didn't. We didn't mean for this to happen because I saw that on my social media feed. But that leads us perfectly into our Feed Me segment, which, of course, is the best and worst things to come across our social media feeds from the NBA. And, you know, every week there's more and more and more stuff going on. And, you know, if there's a chance to mention Jennifer Lawrence going forward, I'll find a way to sneak that in as well.
1: (laughs) Yes, please.
0: But leading off our Feed Me segment this week, Webby, we talked a bit about the Cavs just walking into Boston and blowing out the Celtics, which first off, I guess I should ask, are you worried about the Celtics? You said they're they're on the, the they're probably on the decline here, like
1: Well not the decline, but they're trending downwards for sure. But you know what, with the players that they have, uh, with Kyrie Al Horford, as much as we make fun of him. They'll be uh, okay. And, and, and like I say, that the coaching. Very important. Okay. um I, I I don't expect them to fall out of the top three in the east like okay. they've got some stuff to figure out but with the unit that they have there I think that they will uh especially if the rumors are true and Gordon Hayward comes back before the end of the year
0: right how crazy would that be that would be so crazy but speaking of things to figure out after it was unable to figure it out he ended up being in LA or wherever the Lakers were and watching Kyrie and LeBron do battle on Sunday afternoon and I guess what was supposed to be the IT Tribute Day, <laughs> which is just an- another amazing subplot to this NBA season. But on said interwebs, Bleacher or one of those sites, put up a video of Kyrie Irving making LeBron dance a little on the perimeter and then hitting a jumper over LeBron, to which someone found out and noticed that Isaiah Thomas happened to like said video (laughs) of Kyrie hitting the shot over LeBron. How petty is this, (laughs) Webby? That's simply my question. Like, on, on the petty level, the petty scale, I feel like we should add the petty scale to our Feed Me segment every week. Where does this rank on the petty scale, 1 to 10? 10 being the pettiest of petty.
1: Oh, this is a four.
0: Oh, you're keeping it low, okay.
1: Yeah, come on, this isn't petty.
0: Hold on, but in a game in which the Cavs ran the Celtics out of the gym, this guy finds the one video that Kyrie hit over LeBron and likes it? That's kinda lame.
1: Like I, I, I like the I, I like the that this is a thing now in the NBA is finding the people who like the tweet or the Instagram post. Yeah. But man. Come on. Fair enough. We've seen way way more petty.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, This uh, next tweet here I just wanted to bring up. I'm assuming this is a Lakers fan just because of the tweet, but the Twitter handle is at Forum Blue and Gold and says, a guy named Kobe for real traded two Lakers who decided to wear numbers 8 and 24. Then those two helped their new team stomp the Celtics on national TV on the same day the Seas retire Paul Pierce's jersey. Now that. And it's just a picture with a gif of Kobe Bryant just giving like a sarcastic stare down. (laughs) I'm like, yes, shout out to NBA Twitter. Best in the game. Only second maybe the black Twitter, but that's a story for another podcast, right?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I will say that my uh, Feed Me segment uh, are all the memes that were made from Paul Pierce, that, uh, uh, during the blowout of his Jersey retirement,
0: so uh, good?
1: just him sitting there stone faced with all the, uh, with everybody making fun of him, man. It was great. And it also reminded me of some of the great, um, social media moments that Paul Pierce had in his career,
0: the two phones,
1: uh, the two phones and the, uh, the Night of the Banana Boat, everybody tweeting out emojis, and Paul Pierce tweeting out a JPEG, uh, like a full image <laughs> of the rocket emoji. Was, was one of my favorite things.
0: So good. But there's so much, you're right, the memes from, from Sunday were so good. There's so much about Kevin Garnett wearing a hood.
1: And... Oh, yeah, yeah, that was my other one, was the Kevin Garnett hood. <laughs> the bots gravity
0: so good so good also too sticking with the social media theme ray allen wasn't in attendance but he was on instagram (laughs) taking a picture because he was on the golf course with george lopez (laughs) yeah man that has to be one of the most random things ever no?
1: yeah and fucking ray allen was looking straight up like a dork
0: (laughs) yo i love though that the beef is really real though like rondo and kg still don't like
1: that guy one day we're going to get an article or a book and find out exactly
0: what happened. Well, I love how Paul Pierce was the one. It's kind of sucks, right? Because Paul Pierce is the one that tries to play peacemaker between all those guys. But yeah. KG and Rondo still are not here for that at all.
1: Yeah, I know. And Perkins, too. I remember that. uh
0: Perk, yes. When they,
1: when they had that um, segment on the Area 21 a while ago. yeah. And yeah. they had the reunion and Perk was like, not gonna talk about it, you know what
0: he did. I was like, oh damn, I wouldn't so want to good. mess with her. So good, so good. Uh moving on in our feed me segment. We talked about it earlier, uh, that pop video that came online where him and Patty Mills, where uh Patty Mills is in foul trouble and pop is standing around with his four other assistants and Patty Mills, and they hold a vote <laughs> and he says who here thinks Pop's mic'd up and he said and he says, Who here thinks that we should let Patty stay in the game? We're gonna have a vote. And everyone puts up their hand. And Patty Mills kind of looks confused at first, but then sheepishly <laughs> push puts up his hand and Pop's like, All right, you're staying in the game. <laughs> like, yeah, and then like amazing. 20 seconds later, he
1: picked up his third foul.
0: <laughs> so and they good. took him out. Of course they did. It's so good though, right? It's amazing 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 uh but blake griffin probably doesn't think this is amazing (laughs) a lot here and uh you know feed me segment wow yeah taking a little bit of a turn here on the feed me segment as we dip into the tmz archives and a story here for blake griffin now there's a lot here to unpack and i don't really want to get into the whole like i don't want to get into the actual like crux of blake griffin having problems with one of his The the mother of his children. I don't really want to get into the crux of that, let's say, but just to give you a backstory to let you know what we're dealing with here, uh, Bryn Cameron, who if you don't know, is the sister of former Browns and Dolphins tight end Jordan Cameron, right? She went to USC, she played basketball on the team, she dated and had a kid with Matt Leinert, who you might remember, who sports fans should know who Matt Leinert is, and now she also has two kids with Blake Griffin, They were on and off for eight years. They are supposed to get married last year, but Blake Griffin wanted her to sign a prenup. She didn't want to sign the prenup. Blake called off the wedding and then went to Vegas instead. Later, we find out that he went to Vegas and partied with Kendall Jenner, who he's now still with. Tons to unpack there. If you're into all that TMZ shit, as I am in real life, um, head to TMZ and read all that story. But the reason that I bring this up is because in this suit where she is now... She's now filing a suit against Blake Griffin for uh, child child support, right? Uh, The reason I'm bringing this up is because she talks about how uh, she says, quote, according to TMZ, Cameron was not just the mother of Griffin's children and their caregiver, she was a constant support for Griffin. His personal assistant, meal planner, scheduler, stylist, publicist, party planner, nurse, nutritionist, branding expert, therapist, cheerleader, basketball, and fitness consultant, and more. The suit also claimed that she counseled Griffin on how to deal with the bad blood between him and Clippers teammate Chris Paul, claiming she advised him on how to be a better leader in the team's locker room when he was being shown up by Paul. She says the two had, quote, mounting tension between them because he felt it was no longer his team, it was Paul's. Now, (laughs) the reason, again, that is really why I want to get to this, this story, right? Like the other stuff is like way too serious. And you know, if you're into that TMZ stuff again, go find that and read up all that. Cause it's super interesting. But the reason I'm bringing this up is for this right here, Blake Griffin being counseled by his wife or sorry, the mother of his ch- children on how he should deal with the inner turmoil with Chris Paul and the Clippers locker room. I talk about keeping up with the Cavs. Maybe we should have been doing a keeping up with the Clippers. Cause just like, this Lob City oh. era, did we miss out here on like just what was going on behind the scenes and how crazy it actually was, Webby?
1: Well, I think everybody had a feeling that there was like a weird tension with that team. You could almost see it uh, coming through your TV screens or at the arena, mm-hmm. that there was something weird going on. But you, you know what? In this situation, and I feel for Brent Cameron. Yeah. I'm sure she did all of that and more, and, you know, NBA players are certainly not the most mature people on the planet,
0: Professional athletes, and
1: Blake Griffin, for sure, is probably up there with, I mean, she must have had her hands full dealing with not just the two kids, but with Blake Griffin, who comes across as a little bit of a like, brat and not a (laughs) nice person, right? Now, obviously, this is from her lawsuit, but where the truth stands is probably somewhere within there, Mm -hmm. whether where it falls on the spectrum, I don't know. But, man, this does not look good for Blake or for the Clippers' Lob City era.
0: Right, like, the Clippers' Lob City era kind of gives you more insight as to, like, maybe just the chaos that was going on and why Chris Paul was just like, I'm out. But... It's interesting because she she goes on to say in the suit that she strengthened Griffin's bond with his teammates and allowed the organization to see a different side of his personality rather than the hard-partying man-child Griffin had had been prior to their cohabitation. Now, again, as you said, right, this is definitely her side of it, and it's a suit that she put out on Valentine's Day, which is also kind of... An extra added blow. So there's a lot here to unpack, but sticking with this stuff here, because it it says that part of the her whole thing that she thinks, you know, really played a part or kind of what got Blake Griffin upset was just the fact of the picture that was painted about Chris Paul. And that is that he was not only the leader of the team, but he was like this great family man as well. Right. Like we always saw him with little Chris, little Chris was all over the place running around the locker room and stuff. And like that kind of added tension to Blake's dislike of Chris Paul, or just in terms of like the perception of Chris Paul in terms of being the leader and this like great guy face of the franchise, which Blake Griffin thought that he actually should have been right. And, you know, again, I bring this up just because I feel like it paints such a different light, and maybe that also leads to why Blake was an added layer of why he was so salty on the way out, right? Like, now you're finally going to get to be the face because Chris Paul's gone, and then they trade you a couple months later. Like, it's just, yeah. wow. Wow the gong show that the Clippers are. And I think it just further tells you that, it, you know, if I'm if I'm Jerry West or if I'm uh, Balmer, I'd be trying to get rid of everything from that Lob City era because it just sounds like a cesspool. You know, keep Lou Will and let's ride going that way.
1: Yeah. I guess, right. yeah.
0: Six man like Lou Will. <laughs> still one of my favorite songs. I'll, every once in a while, I'll still bump that. Shout out to Lou Will.
1: And, you know, show, like literally a lot of people are saying that You know, he kind of, uh, he he should have waited and taken more money. But, man, I think it was kind of smart of him to get what he could right now rather than waiting to see kind of what the salary cap would be. And he obviously likes it in L.A. He likes it with the Clippers. He's a guy who's bounced around a lot through his career. Mm -hmm. So having some stability for him is important to Lou. And good for him, man.
0: Yeah, and sometimes you can't put a price on, like, just your comfort, right, and, like, your mindset and peace of mind, and, you know, Lou Williams obviously been traded a lot over his career, and so to say that, hey, I'm going to stay in one place for two years, that probably gave him a peace of mind that you can't really put a price tag on, so, yeah, totally agree with you there, and, yeah, maybe we'll, we should have been doing keeping up with the Clippers a couple years ago, but (laughs) Lou Will will be keeping up with the Clippers, as we continue on, though, on this podcast, we finish up with the Ask On Blast segment, Webby, where we got, right. a, we got a comment here from Scott. And Scott wants to know, what are you looking forward to the most from All-Star Weekend?
1: Obviously, we're all excited about the, uh, the dunk contest. I think that uh, especially seeing Donovan Mitchell
0: yep.
1: in there is going to be pretty fun. I've been really enjoying the three-point contest Of the last couple of years, I think that's almost the more competitive of the events. Mm -hmm. But I think really the jewel of the All-Star weekend is going to be the game itself, just because of the new format of picking the teams. I think that brings a lot of interest. I'm really interested to see how these uh, teams that were picked by the captains, Steph and LeBron, uh, are going to look and how they're going to play together.
0: For sure. And I'm interested to see, like, does the fact that LeBron and Steph like pick these teams that give them a, a little added responsibility in terms of like now more pride over it all. Right. And like, I'm going to try more because like this is my team. Right. And uh, it was interesting. I don't know if you saw today, but uh, Carrie Champion of ESPN tweeted out this segment that she does. It's called Keeping Up with the" or Rolling with the Champion, I think it's called. And it's right. a it's a sponsored item with Uber. Where she's essentially the bit is that she's driving an Uber, but she's driving like an NBA player or athlete in the, in the backseat. But for, in this episode, she's driving LeBron and KD. I guess they filmed it when uh, OKC, not OKC, wow, see, I still have KD and OKC. But they filmed it when the Warriors were recently in Cleveland. And the whole premise is they're driving around to like different places in, Cle- in the Cleveland area that meant something to LeBron. But while they're doing this, they're doing an interview in the backseat. Anyways, one of, they talk about a whole an assortment of topics. So definitely check it out. It's about 15 minutes long, but it's really good because they hit up a bunch of different topics, both really serious in terms of like Donald Trump and the president and all that, but also just stuff like the All-Star Game. And LeBron and KD both were talking about how important it was for them, like they feel responsibility as the two best players in the league to really like, you know, make the all-star game matter again and really try because, you know, they hear what everyone's been saying and they kind of agree with the fact like they remember growing up as kids and watching all-star games and how important it was to see, you know, the best players in the world, like actually guard up and go at each other, right? So it I mean, that's what they said in this interview, right? We'll see if that translates to Sunday. But it did make me a little more excited for the game to see if they actually do try, right? Right.
1: Now, what I want to know is, as somebody who's attended an All-Star game, yes. and not only an All-Star game, but an All-Star game in LA, mm-hmm. uh, like, what I, I know that that was a little while ago there for you, Shelly. So... Uh, LA's got to be the best place to have an all-star game, right? Especially for a league
0: like the NBA. For sure. And I will say, yeah, I covered an all-star game in LA and it was honestly so much fun. But it was honestly an amazing experience as well because in LA it's so much more of a spectacle. And so they had like this red carpet. I think it was sponsored by T-Mobile or something. So they made it like a magenta carpet or something. And so like basically you have all the celebrities because it's in Hollywood, obviously you will have all superstars right? It almost turns into like a prized fight, you know, like a like a Mayweather fight, right? Where everyone wants to be ringside. Well, now it's NBA All-Star Game in LA where all the stars are and all the pretend stars are. So now that just ups the fight on who gets the best courtside seat, right? So that's pretty cool as well. But then also because it's LA, you'll get so many more surprises, right? There'll be late entries as we saw today into like the celebrity game where Bieber's going to play and I think one of the the Migos is going to play as well, right? I think Quavo maybe? I saw it today, but I can't remember who it was. But because it's in LA... Hold
1: on, hold on. Was he on there with Shaq? I think so. So, okay, so the the whole thing that went when Shaq was going off about the Raptors, yeah. all I kept thinking was that the guy from Migos was going to start unbuttoning his cuffs and try to go <laughs> after somebody, and then that lady in the background was going to pop up like, see yes, what's going
0: yes, on. Yes, 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 yes. Sorry. So Shout sorry, out to academics. Off. Shout out to academics. But yeah, you know, just the fact that it's in, in LA, it makes it so much of a spectacle. And I don't know if I told this story before, but... One of my biggest regrets, right? So uh, we knew that year that Rihanna was doing the halftime show, right? So Rihanna was doing the halftime show. And so the halftime starts, and I was going to go downstairs to go to the court to watch the Rihanna performance, right? And then I'm like, uh, you know what, whatever. It's no big deal. I'll just stay in my seat and sit here and watch it, right? And really, I just wanted to like take a walk. You know, stretch out the legs, but yeah, also exactly. like get That's a better seat. At yeah, get a better seat, get a better view, right? Because the pass allows you to get to different places. So get a better view of Rihanna's halftime show. So I thought better, or what I thought was better at the time, stay in my seat for the halftime show. So as halftime begins, you see, first off, the Celtics. I remember seeing Kevin Garnett. And Ray Allen and Paul Pierce all come onto the floor, so they're not even in. Ha- they're not even in the locker room. They come out to watch the performance. Also going on on the floor was all the celebrities that were sitting courtside, like and, I'm, and you're talking Jay Z, Puffy, Spike Lee, like they're all now on the court because they're just talking to everyone. It's like the parking lot of a club essentially. They're now all on the floor talking to each other, and there's one security guard that was actually trying to like usher them off the court. As if, like, these guys are going to move. Like, it was the most ridiculous thing ever, (laughs) right? Just to, like, watch that go down. I was like, this is fucking crazy. So, Rihanna starts performing. Rihanna's great. Great live. Great performance. Good time. I'm here for Riri. Then, Uh all of a sudden, if you remember, that that, at that time was right when my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy came out. And so, all of a sudden, you just heard, and I'm like, oh, no, no. And then Kanye pops on stage and they start performing all of the lights. And I'm like, no, I should be down there like right in front of the stage watching this, right? But like, I'm I'm there in my seat and I'm like getting down. Like, oh, I just got so hype instantly in that moment because it was just such a great surprise. Out of nowhere, you're getting a, a free Kanye performance. Like, it was just so good. But again, I think those are the things that happen in LA because everyone's there. And it's so easy to get those like last minute additions and, you know, Whatever, flip Kanye some courtside seats for, you know, the dunk contest in the game. Cool. Flip him an extra couple grand on top of that. Hey, halftime show, right? So, yeah, LA, it'll be a great time. I'm mad and jealous that I'm not going this year, but, you know, there's tons of time. Maybe next year. I don't know where Uh, it is next
1: year. Is there anything better in the world than a, a surprise Kanye performance?
0: Uh... I've seen two surprise Kanye performances. What was the other but one? The other one would have been at OVO because Drake uh, just has like okay. random guests. But that one wasn't as much of a surprise because kind of knew that Kanye was in town. Because I feel like it was the week after what was it that he did? Uh, the Pan Am Games. Remember the Pan Am Games were in Toronto. Right, right. Yeah. So then he did the performance for the closing ceremonies of the Pan Am Games, and then the next weekend was OVO. And he was one of the surprise guests at OVO. So I wasn't really that surprised, but that all-star game, yeah, that was like a definite like, holy shit, Kanye's on stage. All of the lights is like, like that album is just fire. But oh, it's
1: a, come on. It's a masterpiece.
0: It's, it's meant to be performed live too. Do you know what I mean? Like it's for stadium tours, right? Like it's yeah. just that grandiose type sound, right? Oh, so good, Webby. You're making me feel bad now for not being there this year. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
0: But squad goals for next year, right? Let's go.
1: Shun- let's Yo, let's go. get uh, a ball on glass podcast and press passes.
0: Let's go. Let's make it happen. We got to set goals, right? Put it up on the vision board and it'll happen, right? I like it. That's We're right. At. I like where your head's at. Um, hopefully, though, we'll give you guys a passes to join us next week on another edition where we wrap up what happened on All-Star Weekend. And maybe Kanye comes up again and we'll be talking about that. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, maybe.
1: Listen, we're, there's going to be a week, I and mean, even a week with no basketball, pretty sure that there's still going to be some major league storylines that go down.
0: Oh, for sure. We'll just recap the All Star Game, even if we do it really quickly, and we sort of look at and pick out maybe first half awards or something like that. We could do. I don't know. Tons of stuff we can oh, do. that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe we'll we'll come up with something. Either way, we'll be back next week. And as always, my name is Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter, tweeting all kinds of. NBA goodies this weekend at Shell Alexander and on Instagram at Sheldon Alexander.
1: I am Andrew Webster. I am on at A Webster84 across all social media and I am tweeting about everything, including what's going on at the winter olympics which has just been lovely as well
0: really you're in on the winter olympics eh i was just gonna ask you that and and as you kept going i was like he's gonna say winter olympics you're in on the winter I, olympics eh
1: I'm, I'm in man every year uh, every two years on both summer and winter olympics i'm like this is lame whatever yeah and then come the third day of the olympics i'm like oh my is tessa virtue gonna be able to do it this year
0: <laughs> shouts to tessa virtue by the way yes um, the only thing I'm in on on this Winter Olympics was that kid that had the Olympic glasses. Do you see that? Oh,
1: right. Yes. Yes. My like dude with the, with the Olympic glasses, man. He was killing.
0: Give that kid all the gold medals and give you guys all the good medals for listening to another edition of the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next week, see ya.
1: on Blast.